Chapter four and five of Book Five of Les Miserables, Volume Five by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roseanne Schmidt. Les Miserables, Volume Five by Victor Hugo. Translated by Isabel Florence Hepgood. Book Five: Grandson and Grandfather. Chapters four and five. Chapter Four. Mademoiselle Gillenormand ends by no longer thinking it a bad thing that Monsieur Fauchelevent should have entered with something under his arm. Cosette and Marius held each other once more. What that interview is like, we decline to say. There are things which one must not attempt to depict. The sun is one of them. The entire family, including Basque and Nicolette, were assembled in Marius's chamber at the moment when Cosette entered it. Precisely at that moment. The grandfather was on the point of blowing his nose. He stopped short, holding his nose in his handkerchief, and gazing over it at Cosette. She appeared on the threshold. It seemed to him that she was surrounded by a glory. Adorable! he exclaimed. Then he blew his nose noisily. Cosette was intoxicated, delighted, frightened, in heaven. She was as thoroughly alarmed as any one can be by happiness. She stammered, all pale yet flushed. She wanted to fling herself into Marius's arms and dared not, ashamed of loving in the presence of all these people. People are pitiless towards happy lovers; they remain when the latter most desire to be left alone. Lovers have no need of any people whatever. With Cosette and behind her, there had entered a man with white hair, who was grave yet smiling, though with a vague and heartrending smile. It was Monsieur Fauchelevent. It was Jean Valjean. He was very well dressed. As the porter had said, entirely in black, in perfectly new garments, and with a white cravat, the porter was a thousand leagues from recognizing in this correct Bourgoy, in this probable notary, the fear-inspiring bearer of the corpse, who had sprung up at his door on the night of the seventh of June, tattered, muddy, hideous, haggard, his face masked in blood and mire, supporting in his arms the fainting Marius. Still, his porter's scent was aroused. When Monsieur Fauchelevent arrived with Cosette, the porter had not been able to refrain from communicating to his wife this aside. I don't know why it is, but I can't help fancying that I've seen that face before. Monsieur Fauchelevent, in Marius's chamber, remained apart near the door. He had under his arm a package which bore considerable resemblance to an octavo volume enveloped in paper. The envelope in paper was of a greenish hue and appeared to be mouldy. Does the gentleman always have books like that under his arm? Mademoiselle Gillenormand, who did not like books, demanded in a low tone of Nicolette. Well, retorted Mademoiselle Gillenormand, who had overheard her in the same tone. He's a learned man. What then? Is that his fault? Monsieur Boulard, one of my acquaintances, never walked out without a book under his arm either, and he always had some old volume hugged to his heart like that. And with a bow, he said aloud, Monsieur Trochelevent. Father Gillenormand did not do it intentionally, but intention to proper names was an aristocratic habit of his. Monsieur Trochelevent, I have the honor of asking you, on behalf of my grandson, Baron Marius Pontmercy, for the hand of Mademoiselle. Monsieur Trochelevent bowed. That's settled," said the grandfather, and turning to Marius and Cosette, with both arms extended in blessing, he cried, "Permission to adore each other." They did not require him to repeat it twice. So much the worse. 
the chirping began they talked low maeus resting on his elbow on his reclining chair cosette standing beside him oh heavens murmured cosette i see you once again it is thou it is you the idea of going and fighting like that but why it is horrible i had been dead for four months oh how wicked it was of you to go to that battle what had i done to you i pardon you but you will never do it again a little while ago when they came to tell us to come to you i still thought that i was about to die but it was from joy i was so sad i have not taken the time to dress myself i must frighten people with my looks what will your relatives say to see me in a crumpled collar do speak you let me do all the talking we are still in the rue de la home arm it seems that your shoulder was terrible they told me that you could put your fist in it and then it seems that they cut your flesh with the scissors that is frightful i have cried till i have no eyes left it is queer that a person can suffer like that your grandfather has a very kind air don't disturb yourself don't rise on your elbow you will injure yourself oh how happy i am so our unhappiness is over i am quite foolish i had things to say to you and i no longer know in the least what they were do you still love me we live in the rue de la homme there is no garden i made lint all the time stay sir look it is your fault i have a callus on my finger angel said maeus angel is the only word in the language that cannot be worn out no other word could resist the merciless use which lovers make of it then as they were spectators they paused and said not a word more contenting themselves with softly touching each other's hands monsieur gillenormand turned towards those who were in the room and cried talk loud the rest of you make a noise you people behind the scenes come a little uproar the deuce so that the children can chatter at their ease and approaching marius and cosette he said to them in a very low voice call each other thou don't stand on ceremony aunt gillenormand looked on in astonishment at this eruption of light in her elderly household there was nothing aggressive about this amazement it was not the least in the world like the scandalized and envious glance of an owl at two turtle doves it was the stupid eye of a poor innocent seventy and fifty years of age it was a life which had been a failure gazing at that triumph love mademoiselle gillenormand seigneur said her father to her i told you that this is what would happen to you he remained silent for a moment and then added look at the happiness of others then he turned to cosette how pretty she is how pretty she is she's a gruse so you are going to have that all to yourself you scamp ah my rogue you are getting off nicely with me you are happy if i were not fifteen years too old we would fight with swords to see which of us should have her come now i am in love with you mademoiselle it's perfectly simple it is your right you are in the right ah what a sweet charming little wedding this would make our parish is saint denis sous saint sacrament but i will get a dispensation so that you can be married at saint paul the church is better it was built by the jesuits it is more coquettish it is opposite the fountain of cardinal de barrec the masterpiece of jesuit architecture is at nemer it is called saint you must go there after you are married it is worth the journey mademoiselle i am quite of your mind i think girls ought to marry that is what they are made for there is a certain son catherine whom i should always like to see uncoiffed it's a fine thing to remain a spinster but it is chilly the bible says multiply in order to save the people jeanne 
the ark is needed but in order to make people what is needed is mother goose so marry my beauties i really do not see the use in remaining a spinster i know that they have their chapel apart in the church and that they fall back on the society of the virgin but sapristi a handsome husband a fine fellow and at the expiration of a year a big blonde brat who nurses lustily and who has fine rolls of fat on his thighs and who musses up your breast in handfuls with his little rosy paws laughing the while like the dawn that's better than holding a candle at vespers and chanting therese et Bernay the grandfather executed a pirouette on his eighty-year-old heels and began to talk again like a spring that has broken loose once more ainsi bornat les corps de très ravassiers revassarie alcipe il est donc vrai dans poudre te marie by the way what is it father have not you an intimate friend yes corfinhac what has become of him he is dead and that is good he seated himself near them made cosette sit down and took their four hands in his aged and wrinkled hands she is exquisite this darling she is a masterpiece this cosette she is a very young girl and a very great lady she will only be a baroness which is a come-down for her she was born a marquis what eyelashes she has get it well fixed in your noodles my children that you are in the true road love each other be foolish about it love is the folly of men and the wit of god adore each other only he added suddenly becoming gloom what a misfortune it has just occurred to me more than half of what i possess is swallowed up in an annuity so long as i live it will not matter but after my death a score of years hence ah my poor children you will not have a sow your beautiful white hands madame la baronne will do the devil the honour of pulling him by the tail at this point they heard a grave and tranquil voice say mademoiselle euphrégie fauchelevent possesses six hundred thousand francs it was the voice of jean valjean so far he had not uttered a single word no one seemed to be aware that he was there and he had remained standing erect and motionless behind all these happy people what has mademoiselle euphrégie to do with the question inquired the startled grandfather i am she replied cosette six hundred thousand francs resumed monsieur gillenormand minus fourteen or fifteen thousand francs possibly said jean valjean and he laid on the table the package which mademoiselle gillenormand had mistaken for a book jean valjean himself opened the package it was a bundle of bank notes they were turned over and counted there were five hundred notes for a thousand francs each and one hundred and sixty-eight of five hundred in all five hundred and eighty-four thousand francs this is a fine book said monsieur gillenormand five hundred and eighty-four thousand francs murmured the aunt this arranges things well does it not mademoiselle gillenormand seigneur said the grandfather that devil of a marius has ferreted out the nest of a millionaire grisette in his tree of dreams just trust to the love affairs of young folks now will you students find studentesses with six hundred thousand francs cherubino works better than rochild five hundred and eighty-four thousand francs repeated mademoiselle gillenormand in a low tone five hundred and eighty-four one might as well say six hundred thousand 
as for marius and cosette they were gazing at each other while this was going on they hardly heeded this detail chapter five deposit your money in a forest rather than with a notary the reader has no doubt understood without necessitating a lengthy explanation that jean valjean after the chamantouilleux affair had been able thanks to his first escape of a few days duration to come to paris and to withdraw in season from the hands of lafitte the sum earned by him under the name of monsieur madeline at moutray-sur-mer and that fearing that he might be recaptured which eventually happened he had buried and hidden that sum in the forest of montferme in the locality known as the blaru bottom the sum six hundred and thirty thousand francs all in blank bills was not very bulky and was contained in a box only in order to preserve the box from dampness he had placed it in a coffer filled with chestnut shavings in the same coffer he had placed his other treasures the bishop's candlesticks it will be remembered that he had carried off the candlesticks when he made his escape from moutray-sur-mer the man seen one evening for the first time by boulatruelle was jean valjean later on every time that jean valjean needed money he went to get it in the blaru bottom hence the absences which we have mentioned he had a pickaxe somewhere in the heather in a hiding-place known to himself alone when he beheld marius convalescent feeling that the hour was at hand when that money might prove of service he had gone to get it it was he again whom boulatruelle had seen in the woods but on this occasion in the morning instead of the evening boulatruelle inherited his pickaxe the actual sum was five hundred and eighty-four thousand five hundred francs jean valjean withdrew the five hundred francs for himself we shall see hereafter he thought the difference between that sum and the six hundred and thirty thousand francs withdrew from lafitte represented his expenditure in ten years from eighteen twenty three to eighteen thirty three the five years of his stay in the convent had cost only five thousand francs jean valjean set the two candlesticks on the chimney-piece where they glittered to the great admiration of poussant moreover jean valjean knew that he was delivered from javert the story had been told in his presence and he had verified the fact in the monitor how a police inspector named javert had been found drowned under a boat belonging to some laundresses between the pont de change and the pont neuf and that a writing left by this man otherwise irreproachable and highly esteemed by his superiors pointed to a fit of mental aberration and a suicide in fact thought jean valjean since he left me at liberty once having got me in his power he must have been already mad. End of chapter four and five. Recording by Roseanne Schmidt.